because he did not come in the way that they thought he should come. And because they read prophecy and based on the knowledge they had of scepters and military figures and overthrowing things and crushing the forehead of things, they had in their mind what that should look like. And so based on their own knowledge of what things look like, they tried to perceive the things in the voice of God and the prophecy of God. Now coming on 2022 years later, <laughs> is is me and guys i got saved and whenever i got saved man i was uh, I, I would say on fire would probably be an understatement i tried to make every opportunity to tell somebody about jesus and the men of god in my life were awesome men of god and they were speaking over me and everywhere i would go people would say hey david god's going to do great things in your life hey god's going to do big things in your life many people are going to come to know the lord through you Immediately, I'm looking in these church services, and I'm looking at these men of God who are great, and here they are telling me I'm going to do great. So immediately, guess what my mind begins to do? It begins to define what great is, and it begins to define what big is, and it begins to define how I am going to bring many people to know the Lord. And that became my downhill spiral. So I did everything based on what I thought big was. And so I thought this looks like full-time ministry. And so what I did is I joined a ministry school. I did that. I went to college at Lee University and uh, started studying the Bible. And then I started volunteering at every church that I could to fall into this full-time ministry role. And I'm, I kept telling to God, God, you know my heart. You know my heart is to do your will and to change this world for you. You know that's what I want to do. I've read your scriptures, God, and this is what I want to do. I want to be a world changer. I'd even changed all my passwords as JC World Changer. How creative, right? So JC World Changer. Yeah. It's not still my password. Now it's something else. But still Jesus. But yeah, JC World Changer. Jesus Christ World Changer. That's what I wanted to be. And I believed it and it had been spoke over me. And so I saw these big venues and I saw all these things in my head. And I was like, you know, I'm going to be on these stages. I'm going to be doing these things. And many people are going to come to know the Lord. And, and we started volunteering in churches and we saw some of that fruit. But every time a position would come up for full time, God would close the door. He would close the door. One of the biggest churches in Huntsville offered us a position, and God said no. And I'm like, what in the world? And then we got offered another position. I had just lost my job, and we were living off $125 a week. And when you're living off $125 a week, without the time, how many kids do we have, baby? Two kids. Two kids, $125 a week. Just put it this way. If you had a van that was running, but there was no AC and no heat and the windows wouldn't work. And somebody came up to you and said, hey, here's a brand new van. You'd be like, God, okay? But God knows if that brand new van's going to tear up next week or not, and your old clunker's going to keep driving. You see what I'm saying? And so God said no to this. And so I'm like, God, you know the desires of my heart, and yet you keep telling me no, and you keep throwing me into this cabinet thing, and I hate cabinets, I hate, I'm allergic to wood. 
Tell me how much sense that makes. I saw a piece of wood, I'm sneezing for days. But I own a cabinet shop. So anyway, I'm telling God the whole time I want to be in full-time ministry, and you know the desires of my heart, and yet he was not giving me the desires of my heart. And so I started to be upset, discouraged, and I started to really question God. I started questioning the men of God in my life that had spoke that over me. I started to question, have I done anything wrong to you, God, who calls you to not use me in this capacity? Have I been a failure to you? What is going on? And I hit a, a point of depression because I felt disqualified. And here I was giving my whole heart to this thing, and God was not giving me what I wanted. Now, during this time, I thought this was kind of ironic because I was a youth pastor, not full-time, but I was a youth pastor. And these are the verses that God gave me each week for years to the youth group, I thought, okay? So we'll start with Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It says, you are the light of the world. The city on a hill can't be hidden. You all know that scripture? Basically, God was saying, hey, I put lots in dark places. How many of y'all have heard me say that? God puts lots in dark places. God has told me that 100,000 times. Y'all have heard me preach it. How many times in youth? Forever. And I kept teaching these things, and this is what I was saying, okay? God keeps bringing me back to this because you're not getting it. That's what I said. I, keep, I could stop preaching these six scriptures if you would just get it. If you would just let it sink through your head, okay? So anyway, you're the light of the world. All right, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. You got that? Trust in the Lord, you know it? With all your heart, lean not on what? Your own understanding. Teens, you need to get this. Okay, all right, next one. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, what does it say? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. All right, next scripture. This is Proverbs 4.12. It says, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end leads to death. Y'all remember these kids? Y'all do, right? Every week, every week I go to God and God is saying these things. And I'm tired of hearing them. And I'm thinking they need to get it together. So anyway, so that was, Jer- okay, Jeremiah 17.9-10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Okay. So I preach these things over and over and over and over. And then the Lord told me he was moving me out of youth ministry. And I came to pastor, you remember that? And I was like, hey, I don't think I'm supposed to be doing this anymore. And even then I was like, but God, I've done everything. Every time I go to you, give me these same scriptures. And I'm saying these things, I'm doing what you're telling me to do. And, and I'm spending hours in time and preparation. And I'm taking away time from my family to do what I feel like you want me to do. And now you're taking away the only thing I feel like defines that I'm making a difference for you. See, during that time, I was working just to fill in a spot to make it where I could be here to do what I felt like I needed to do for God. Work was just a time filler for me. My job, my little jobs I was doing on cabinets and, and wherever I was picking up dead people at the, at the morgue, whew, when I was, <laughs> and whenever I worked at Lowe's and 
when I worked driving a school bus, thank you, Miss Carrie, uh, whenever I was doing those things, those were all fill-ins to, to bring about some in, uh, income so I could come here and do the work of the Lord so that I could do ministry. This is more story time, guys. I'm sorry. Okay. So anyway, so the Lord moves me out of youth ministry, and then I find out I got to have the surgery. Okay. Well, these are the things that were spoken to me during the time of my surgery. I'm in, in here, and I'm praying, and the Lord says, hey, get your house in order. Do you know when the Lord has told somebody to get their house in order? So I was like, I'm dead. I can't pass. I was like, I'm dying. I'm going to die. The surgery is going to kill me. And then pastor, just about every week, he's like, man, I couldn't imagine doing ministry without you. And then a prophecy went to him that, hey, you're going to lose somebody this year. But you've said you can't do ministry without. Do you remember? And then I went to a church. And Frankie Powell comes to me, and he's praying. He's like, God's getting ready to change this, uh, what was it, this body of clay to one of iron that don't rust. I'm like, I'm going to heaven, (laughs) y'all. I'm going to heaven. This is it. (laughs) So so I go buy a life insurance policy, and uh, I did. I was like, that's it. That's That's why he didn't give me desires in my heart. That's why he moved me out of youth ministry. That's why all this is happening. I'm about to die. And so I remember looking at my wife as they're about to roll me out, and she held it together pretty good. And I was like, well, this is it. This is the last thing I'm going to see. And then I woke up. (laughs) I woke up. That was a bummer, and I'll tell you why, okay? When you prepare yourself for a year to die, which I did, did I not? I had prepared. They will tell you they had to have conversations with me over and over again. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. I was like, I'm dead. When you prepare yourself to die and then you live, you don't have any plans. <laughs> it's like I, I had no plans. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I had no clue. And at that time, I wasn't doing youth ministry. I wasn't doing college. And, and I had given up the uh, um, volunteer staff stuff. I was literally doing nothing. And so I was like, God, what now? And I don't know if I was talking to you or what, but uh, there's a scripture where Moses is basically saying, God, how will they know that you sent me? How will they know that, that I'm coming on your behalf? And Moses, uh, he told Moses, he said, what's in your hand? And he had a staff. And so Moses had a stick and I had a cabinet shop. And so I was like, Lord, I don't, I don't have anything. I, I don't have anything but a cabinet shop, and I have my family. That's all I got. That's it. And so, I, I honestly, I felt like God was saying, well, you lived because of the prayers of everybody else, and I'm just going to give this for you to do until you die. And that's the truth. That's how I felt. And so I met with Pastor and... Uh, I told him, I said, man, I feel like, I said, if you've ever been out on the field, which I've never played football, I know nothing about football, but I can imagine you go out there giving it your best, giving it your hardest, and all of a sudden the coach calls you in and benches you. And I said, I feel benched, man. And he said, really? He said, I feel like you just got sent out on the field. I was like, what? And he was like, I feel like you just got sent out on the field. 
I was like, what do you mean I just got sent out on the field? And so we started talking about it. And uh, if you would, pull up Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, building up the body of Christ. And he said this, he said, I'm in full-time church work. I'm in full-time equipping. You're in full-time ministry. And when he said that, it clicked. Every scripture that God had been telling me, I'm like, God, I want to be in full-time ministry. I want to be in full-time ministry. And I'm chasing the stage. And he's like, hey, my ways ain't your ways. Hey, don't lean on your own understanding. Your heart is deceitful above all else. All these things that God has been telling me every week that I have been busting the teams, I'm sorry. Y'all are college age now. I'm sorry. Trinity in the nursery, I'm sorry. Uh, it was for me. And God the whole time was trying to give me the desires of my heart. And he was trying to take a lot and put it into a dark place. And I didn't see the workforce as that. I saw the workforce as a means of income for me to... Years, I feel like I wasted. Yeah. So I didn't understand. I was like, why didn't you just say that? Why didn't you just say it? I've been praying to you every week. <laughs> why didn't you just say it? But I wasn't praying in the right heart. I wasn't really seeking to understand. I was praying to make them understand. I, I thought I knew. And just like they thought they knew who Jesus was, they had no clue. And so I, I asked pastor, I was like, why would he not? Because if you read the Old Testament and, and you read these things, that he's going to come in, you're going to think, yeah, he's going to come in victorious. and He's going to come in and do these things. So why wouldn't he clean that up a little bit? There's times I think that God, it's almost like having instruction manuals to, to put something together that he on purpose doesn't explain it all, so you have to call customer service. He desires that relationship. There's a scripture in Matthew that actually says, hey, I said these things to you so that you would not hear, so that you wouldn't hear. And then they came to him, they asked, what does this mean? And he says, for you who ask, and then he explained it. Then he told it. He wants closeness. He wants relationship. He wants pursuit more than he wants you to have a position. And so here God is saying things to me and you that we really need to, whenever he comes to you and says, hey, you're going to evangelize, don't assume that you're going to be evangelist. Now, you could be an evangelist. You could be a part of the fivefold, but you could also be driving a UPS truck. When he says that you're going to speak to the nations, yeah, you could travel around the world, or he may put you in the department where people get their citizenship. And you're talking to people. I know that's weird, but I'm being serious. It could happen. We've got to stop defining because when we define, it starts to bring about, it puts God in a box that he's not limited to. So... All the scriptures started to make sense, and then all the places, like Pastor Eddie just said, the training started to make sense. 
God put me in Fowler Cabinet Shop. God put me at Wilson Lumbercombe. And some of the best ministry schools I've ever gone to in my life was at Wilson Lumber Company and at Fowler Cabinet Shop. I learned monumental things in church services and revival services and stuff like this, monumental things that changed my life forever. But what taught me to walk it out was people like Chris Stiles and his family, was Rob Wilson at Wilson Lumber Company, was Randy and Jenny Whitten at Fowler Cabinet Shop. If it was not for them helping me walk these things out, I don't know where I'd be today. They were in full-time ministry. They were in full-time ministry. They got it. They got it. And none of them had a position at church. <clears throat> a buddy of mine, he owns a, uh, a company. And, well, let me say this first. In the industry I'm in, every Christian that I know that's pursuing God with their whole heart is struggling with not feeling like they're making a difference. They feel like I'm just coming here. What good is it to come here and hang the sheetrock all day long by myself? What difference am I making? And I can say, what difference am I making? I'm designing some cabinets, selling it to people, and putting it in their house. And then I got installers that are like, I'm just installing cabinets. While we have pastors, and I'm not, I mean, this is needed. But I was jealous of him and others for a while because I'm like, God, they are waking up in the morning doing your work. They are praying first thing. They are getting to talk to people all day long. They are constantly discipling, constantly discipling. And here I am hanging a cabinet. Where's the fulfillment in this? God, where, where are you being glorified in this? How is this ministry? And a buddy of mine, this is what I was going back to, a buddy of mine owns a company, and he was considering being a pastor until one of his friends said, dude, you're an idiot. He said, in your company last year, how many people got saved? And he said, 60. 60 people in this man's company got saved through the ministry that they're doing within their company, and he thinks that he's missing it. You look at any church roster right now and see 60 people get saved in a year and you got revival going on. Think about it. Think about a church in this area where 60 people got saved last year. That's more than one a week. And this dude is doing it inside of his business. He is making a difference in his business. So this is where I'm getting to. God puts lots in dark places to shine bright. Lean not on your own understanding. You can say, hey, I work next to a jerk. Shine bright, you're there for that jerk. You're there for that jerk. The whole purpose of being beside that jerk is to shine bright. That's ministry. Hey, build up the body of Christ. Things are going bad at work and you've got a disgruntled customer. Guess what? Shine bright. There's your ministry. Yeah. Do the best you can with whatever you got in front of you as unto the Lord. That is your ministry. The people that you come in contact with all of a sudden are your neighbor. And guys, whenever I started seeing this and I started getting this, we started being more intentional with stuff. I know a guy came in last week talking about his mother-in-law had dementia or something. 
And it's in me just say, man, I'm sorry. That sucks. We'll be praying for you. But I was like, no, we got to pray right now. So then Tiffany came in there. I said, Tiffany, come in here. And then Tiffany about, you know, shouted the house down. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> she was praying, man. I'm talking praying. And then we go to restaurants and, and we ask the waitress, hey, is there anything, just any opportunity? And then they're sitting there, hey, I've been hurt by a church. And yeah, but my sister's this and that. And we're able to pray with them and stuff. And all of a sudden, ministry begins to happen in the place that I never thought it could. And the light then has gone into the darkness because those people aren't inside the church. We're, we're putting all of our growth on this man and this woman, and it ain't their job. Their job is to equip us, and it's our job. It, it was never, this is how we do. You're lost, you're not saved, come to church with me. Come to church with me. Then they come to church. It's awkward because they've never been there before. It's weird because we sing all the time, 400 songs, no offense. <laughs> it's like, but seriously, I've, I've heard this. Why do y'all keep singing the same thing to him? And I'm thinking because he's worthy. And once you get what he's done to you, man, you want to sing it. But to somebody that's never experienced it, it's just words. And so we're trying to bring these lost people here so they get saved. But God's point was to bring the church to the lost so they get saved. And then the work begins to happen inside of them so that when we bring them here, it's not weird anymore. It's not weird. They understand the change. They understand the songs because they experience the change around us. But we want to be a silent witness sometimes. And in my mind, I'm like, is that really just a way of hiding your light and putting it under a basket. It's time that we shine any moment we can. Any moment we can. And so I want to tell you, you are in ministry. You are in ministry. You are in full-time ministry. I am in full-time ministry. We can answer that call or we cannot, and it's on us. But God has us where he has us for the reason of being a light. It's the whole point. If we could, let's go to Mark 5, 18 through 20. Now, Jesus had, in my mind, this was not a good business decision for Jesus, okay? Uh, Jesus had just went and prayed for a dude that was filled with demons, asked the name, it said Legion. Y'all remember the story? He prays and the demons go where? Into some pigs, go and drown. What kind of story would that be to bring this dude around with you? Okay, come on the boat. We're going to tell this everywhere. Okay, this is awesome. Yeah, dude, they ran out in the pigs and then they all drowned. Isn't that awesome? It happened, didn't it? Yeah, it happened. Good ministry business move to bring this dude on board, okay? But it says, this is demon-possessed man. It says, as he was getting on the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged that he may be with him. Go to the next one. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. That dude could have said, I've been turned away by the Lord. I tried to follow him like the rich young ruler, and he denied me access. 
But I think he got it. I'm needed at home. And if I get on this boat, the people back home ain't going to know the goodness of this man that just healed me. And so here we are, all of us trying to get inside the church building to do church work whenever that's not the point. Because if we don't get out of this boat and go into the world, they're not going to hear. And if we go out into the world and don't tell it, what if he would have just went back home and not said a word? We've got to tell it, guys. We are in full-time ministry. God has given me the desires of my heart. God gave me the ability to minister through AMA cabinetry. Isn't that weird? It's weird. And so God is now starting to define the big in my life. And God is defining the great in my life. You talk about God. Breaking down barriers. Goodbye. Aiden came. He said, Dad, I'm not watching TV for 30 days. And he was spoke over at at camp. And uh, and they were like, hey, there's going to be things that come between you and God. They're not bad. They're not bad. But they're just going to try to position themselves between you and God. And he said, I see you moving on behind him. And so he was like, you know what, Dad? I just, I'm going to not watch TV. And he's like, I'm going to spend some time with God. And so I was like, all right. We were all watching a family movie. And so we went in there and watched the movie. And he wouldn't shut his door. I was like, he's in there talking to girls. Or he's in there playing a video game. And then he comes to me afterwards. And he's like, Dad, can we talk? And I said, yeah. He was like, hey, God's been talking to me. He was like, at first it was just a couple words. But then it became a whole page. And and he was like, can you look at it? And, And then I saw what God had given my son and just because he decided to get in the presence of God and God is sitting there saying hey welcome to your big welcome to your big watching my boys and my girls worship watching them follow God and do things and God's like welcome to your big while Tiffany's praying for that man's uh, mother-in-law God's like welcome to your great and big and I'm thankful so thankful. I can't tell you how many people break down in our parking lot. <laughs> and thank God that we have people like Tiffany that will speak on behalf of the Lord and sees it as a ministry. So I just want to say to you, guys, we may have had dreams that we felt like got snuffed out, but I don't know that they necessarily got snuffed out. I think maybe we just saw them wrong. Maybe we just perceived them wrong. Maybe we defined them based on our surrounding. Instead of letting God define the big, maybe we defined it. Maybe we need to let him define the great and the big. Because Jesus coming, meek, mild, lowly on a donkey, was big and was great. And you would have never thought that. I would have thought he would have had to come during a time like today where he would have been on radios and TVs. That makes sense to me. But not to God. It didn't happen that way. God's ways are not our ways. They're just ours. So anyway, I want to leave you with this. We're in ministry. Let's do ministry. Let's do this. Let's do it. That's all I've got. Pastor told me to shut up after I got done. (laughs) Uh, 
But yeah, so I'm sorry you had to hear all of that to get to that point. But, but God desires to use you. That's true. God desires to do big things in you. That's true. But he may want to do big things in you. Let me say that. I know I just said I'll shut up, but he quits at 1130 and it's 1122. So I got eight minutes. Wilson Lumber Company had every opportunity to fire me. Every opportunity to fire me. Uh, They called me in their office and they're like, David, your grandmother can only die so many times. It's like, well, your (laughs) step-grandmothers. And they didn't think it was funny. And they were like, we heard you got saved, and you know it's wrong to lie, right? I was like, well, you know. And they began to teach me what it meant to tell the truth. And I remember being late one time, and I was so excited because I was telling the truth. And I was like, hey, I'm just late today. I slept in, and I came in, and I thought they'd be so proud of me, and they're sitting there writing something. And they hand me a, a warning. They said, you get two more of these, you get fired. And I was like, what? I said, but I told the truth. Still, they said, there's still consequences to your actions. I remember them sitting down and saying, hey, how many hours do you need of sleep a night? And I, I was like, 14. <laughs> Mama knows what I'm talking about, don't you know? <laughs> but no, he's like, what time do you go to bed? And I told him, he said, what time do you get up on the weekends? And I told him, he said, well, that looks like eight hours. He said, try to start going to bed at this time. He could have fired me, but he started training me. Started training me. Styles, whenever I would go in church, I would talk the whole time, and I wanted to cut up, and I would flirt with girls, and I would do stuff just stupid. And I remember them calling me out of service, and instead of just saying, hey, listen, shut up, be quiet, go in there and sit down, be in the reverence of the Lord. Instead, they called me out, and they were like, hey, Dave, listen, they're like, you know that this preacher is speaking on behalf of God, right? I gathered that. I was like, yeah, I get it. They were like, well, if you're talking, what's the chances that you may miss God speaking to you? I was like, oh. And they are like, and you're, if you're talking to somebody else, what's the chances if they're going through something, maybe God's trying to talk to them, but instead they're hearing your voice instead. I was like, oh. That went a lot further than just shut up. They, they were training. They were molding me. I'm ashamed to say this. I started dating Robin, and uh, and you can put yourself in her parents' shoes, but we were probably dating a couple months, and I gave her a hickey on the chin in Arby's dining room in front of her mama. Yeah, that's cringy, right? <laughs> I look back at these things, I was like, what in the world was I thinking? If I would have been her mama, I would have been beating me over the head with an Arby's roast beef sandwich or something. You know, I would have been, but you know what she did? Corrected me, loved me, and believed in me. And I told Randy a couple weeks ago, I was like, Randy, you were nuts to ever let me stay in this relationship with this, your daughter. And he said, son, he said, when you God had saved you, and he was doing a work in you. Okay. <laughs> I'll take that. But I had every opportunity for people to throw up their hands on me, quit on me, get rid of me. And they didn't. And so if you've got somebody around you that you want to get rid of, that you don't want them around, 
that they're acting absolutely stupid. I'm begging you as one of those guys. Don't give up on us. Please. Please, don't give up. Yeah, you're in ministry. I'm in ministry. And thank you for equipping the saints. You've done a phenomenal job. Welcome to the So anyway, let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you for, first of all, doing things the way you did them to cause me to have to seek and get close to you. Thank you for righting the wrong in my mind. Thank you for giving me scripture after scripture after scripture and not giving up on me until it hit home, until it penetrated my heart, Father. And God, thank you for giving me the desires of my heart. Thank you for allowing me to entrust in me with your Son, with your Holy Spirit, to do your work. And Father, I pray that you help us when we go to work tomorrow, that our eyes will be open, that we're not there for a paycheck, we're not there to tolerate, we're not there just to get by or to fill a void, but we're there with a mission that we would shine bright, Father, that we would be your light in this dark world. God, help us not to hide our light under a bushel, but God, to be bold for your son so that your kingdom may advance, Father, that your church may be built up. God, let it be that 60 people get saved through us this year. Let it be that revival happens at Walmart. Let it be that revival happens uh, at Ace Hardware, at, at all these different places. A revival happened not because necessarily a church service, because the Spirit of God inside of us is going into those places. Father, help us not to quench your spirit to live out a life of ministry, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.